You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. another edition of the stardom road podcast here on the count out podcast network i'm your host as always scott edwards and with me as always is trent brewer trent how are you on this fine day i'm doing quite fine to match the day it's uh not too bad at the moment i gotta say you know we're, we're coming towards the end of the year slowly but surely things are starting to unfold and you know attention's been diverted from what's wrestling going to do for the end of the year and oh my oh my we're getting towards 2024 and i feel like i haven't done enough in 2023 yeah but you've done the stardom road podcast I that's feel like all that matters <laughs> You've done almost a full year, right? I mean, yeah. we started at the end of last year, so we have, I think, done a full year now. But a full calendar year is pretty cool. Um, we're getting closer and closer. I know a lot of people enjoy the costume change and mask fiesta episode, which was a little bit of fun for us, obviously. Um, and, you know, we're going to finish the year strong here. On we're going to do a full part episode on the Jenkin that they used to play. No, we are not. Well, actually, I will never rule anything out on this show. Um, but what we are going to talk about today, we're going to cut right to the chase. We're going to put our hats on because I feel like we have to be putting hats on for this scenario. And we are going to be talking about the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame case for Rossi Ogawa. Because Rossi Ogawa, of course, head booker of Stardom, the man that created Stardom alongside Nanai Takahashi, um he is once again on the ballot this is his second year in a row i believe if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong either way he's on the ballot and that's what matters Mm. um so we're obviously going to mostly focus on his stardom case here because this is a stardom podcast but but we do have some help from some friends uh, that is one Alex Richards of the Stardom Quest podcast. You could catch that, talk about weekly stardom um, with his co-host Dylan Murray, as well as Bowling JD of the Red Leaf Retrocast podcast. They put together this amazing article last year when um, Ogawa's case was announced, talk about why he should be in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. So we're going to take from that. That is on voicesofwrestling.com if anyone wants to check it out. That will be what we use to talk about uh, Rossi's case in terms of his work in All Japan Women's, as well as Arceon, his um, former promotion that he ran. And that's what I'm most excited for. This was an idea as well by the one and only Ryan Knightsey, my podcast co-host of the Ring Post Radio podcast. So this is kind of a collective effort in many ways. And now me and Trent have to try to put it all together. <laughs> Basically, everyone else has done the hard work and we're here to take all the credit. That is the Stardom Road podcast way, baby. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. Everyone everyone helps, and uh, we just uh, talk, you know? Yeah. Right? That's what we're, we that's do what we're what doing. We good at filling an hour. Exactly. Sometimes Exactly. And I'm very... And I'm very excited to do this because obviously I'm a big fan of what Rossi Ogawa has created. You know, what? I... 
You're talk drinking. About, I know, I know, I know. I talk about stardom on a weekly basis, daily basis, <laughs> hourly basis, perhaps. You're talking in my life. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Red belt. Run. So it it shouldn't come as much of a shock that this is an episode that I'm very keen to doing because I do think that Rossi Ogawa has a very clear case to make the Hall of Fame. And I think a lot of people have already put, have kind of said, well, we'll see where stardom goes for his case. Mm. Once we finish this, hopefully a lot of people that didn't know you know, maybe they go read the article that we're going to t- uh, take from here. Uh, but it, in case you didn't know, like he has a case even without whatever Stardom does next. Stardom is the cherry on top in a lot of ways, which <laughs> should be saying quite a lot because that cherry on top could you could make an argument to get him in as is. That cherry is mm-hmm. enough, but you got the whole dessert there waiting. And look, I'll be honest, I, I knew he'd done a fair bit. Like I was. I came into this prepared to like compare him to say a Paul Heyman, someone who had a lot of success with one company and did a lot of work kind of behind the scenes in a lot of other companies, uh, sort of rising up in the, the bottom ranks elsewhere. And then like I read this case and sort of did some of my own research. And I'm like, oh no, he's got like a three times of what the Paul Heyman case was initially to what I thought. There's a lot of content content here behind just what we see from 2011 to 2023. Yeah, when his candidacy was announced, um, a lot of people tried to compare him and Sinshiro Takagi, who, you know, of course, that runs uh, DDT and so on, Mm. because they were both, you know, newer bookers on the scene in terms of, one, the the candidacy, as well as, you know, they're both Japan-based, so automatically we're going to compare um and it's just not even close like takagi has his own claim or whatever right he's created a successful company i, I know he does a lot for cyber fight these days mm. uh, runs through number of companies now but what rossi has done whether it's just stardom or before is truly truly uh like you said hall of fame worthy and then some yeah. so inst- instead of running around and and the, i don't even argue the hat collection is hall of fame worthy by itself i mean we we already know like he had a position in the hall of fame he just had to sell stardom to the right people uh, but now he's looking to get in just on pure merit and on pure hat collection as anyone should and the wherever the swa title is that will probably help his candidacy as well i believe that's his hat rack these days um <laughs> you can but, fit at least three hats on that belt but like I said, we're going to, of course, break down mostly stardom over this next hour. But let's start at the beginning. That's the right place to start. And Rossi Ogawa's um, involvement in All Japan Women's AJW, the most famous Joshi promotion in the history of wrestling, the promotion that popularized Joshi wrestling. Um, of course, the, same, the promotion that had the Crush Gals, the Beauty Pair, Akira Hokuto, Manami Toyota, Aja Kong. The list goes on and on. You get my point. It had the who's who of Joshi wrestling. And I would argue, I think we could argue that he has now created the new who's who's of Joshi wrestling, which tells you a lot. 
Yeah, the two, arguably the two most important promotions in their respective eras, he's had a major hand involved in. And look, it, it, most people listening to the Stardom, uh, this Stardom Road podcast will be at least vaguely aware of his Stardom influence, but may not be aware of just what he was doing behind the scenes in AJW. Rossi Ogawa has been in professional wrestling for, I believe, now 46 years, coming up on 50 years total. He started with the AJW office at 20 years old. Um, he obviously had a big time uh, fandom of Lucha Libre, as we talked about in our last episode when talking about the Mass Fiesta. That's kind of where he started. He was a photographer for Mil Mascaras, but came back to Japan and really dove in to ajw where he started small and just pretty much climbed up the ranks it's kind of like if you um follow sports like if you follow american football there's many coaches um that you know they start off as like ball boys or something like that and then now they're some of the best coaches in the nfl and that's just yeah. like one of the cool things about his journey is that he put in the work. And I think Paul Heyman was a fun comparison until you realize how much Rossi has truly done. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Paul Heyman has an, it's funny because Paul Heyman has a Hall of Fame candidacy in his on screen work more than anything else, I think, at this yeah. point. Uh, but Rossi has just been the booker behind Joshi for decades. Yeah, <laughs> and been involved with just about every major name that's come through, and had and had had some kind of influence. It's always difficult, I think, to evaluate bookers in these kinds of things because how yeah. you you sort of ask yourself, well, how much of it is right place, right time? You know, you've got you know, you look at the AJW talent pool that they had, and it's like, well, like if you're not doing great numbers with that kind of talent. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's an easy mode on uh, GM mode kind of thing. But the reality is, A, yes, it's very easy to screw up. Just look at WCW. And B, when you've got the length of legacy that he has with the different wrestlers, different promotions across decades and decades, at a certain point, you've got to look at the batting percentage. And he's hidden a pretty good strike rate. I, I would argue yes. Yes, he has. Um, so as Alex and JD right here, um, Ogawa was responsible for handling the ticket sales and on his own accord handled the record keeping of AJW at the start. Ogawa also provided and supported the entertainment booking of the beauty pair along with the starting point of AJW getting into the wrestling media. Without him, there is no booking, records, or perhaps wrestling journalism for AJW to the extent it received. Um, and then they went on to explain how, you know, women's wrestling was still obviously um facing a stigma back then when you know the beauty pair were at their height and the beauty pair if you don't know were kind of incredibly popular um <laughs> crush gals before crush gals yes in many ways like the crush gals obviously just became this absolute mega hit that mm. powered joshi to levels we've may- maybe no one ever expected um you know when especially we're facing the the stigma but as we know now what the crush gals became rossi ogawa played a big part in doing and that's yeah. again what they do so good here at analyzing um i think it's also important like you mentioned the stigma and like you kind of have to keep repeating that because like he didn't just create successful promotions he created successful promotions that were kind of going against what was expected 
Yeah. Uh, you look at your AJPWs, your NOAAs, your New Japans and all of that, like they're working with the men's side of things where there's that kind of added expectation. of This is how wrestling is, especially when you're talking back then. So to kind of go against that grain multiple times and create these you know, massive promotions, be leading these promotions forward, like it's, it bears repeating because it's so easy to forget. Even in 2023, that stigma is still there to a certain extent. And like looking at what would become of AJW, it's crazy to think like people were thinking, "No, nah, this is this isn't this isn't men's wrestling." So what can we expect it to do? Yeah, and and I just think like you, everyone should do their own kind of homework on the Crush Gals and like mm. how popular they truly were because it was like it was another level. There's a reason that Nagayo has a claim for greatest of all time specifically. Yeah. And it's because of her popularity and the crush gals popularity as a whole, of course, um, because you know, her and Linus line Asuka, they both in the hall of fame, by the way, just want to point that out. Mm. Rossi helped book their entertainment journalism coverage and visiting expanding outside of Tokyo. That was a lot of work. Pretty crucial things to help expand them as a duo. And mm. obviously they put in a ton of work to yeah. become huge themselves. But still, it's you know, it's a it, it's a reason that you know we still see Nagayo and Ogawa work together time time and time again in the past um through the years. Mm. Yeah, and that's like, we look at people like the Beauty Parent and the Crush Gals, and here's the thing, for every great promoter lifting up a wrestler, the wrestler's done just as much hard work to make that happen. A lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. So we don't want to give all the credit to Rossi when we're talking about the Crush Gals or the Beauty Pair or you know, Maya Watani and AJW, but the reality is, again, when you've got one person who's behind all these successful acts, at a certain point, you've got to look at it and go, well, clearly he, there's a reason why he's striking so well. You know, this isn't just a fluking into one lucky wrestler who's willing to work with him. Time and time again, he's put in the hard work and he's reaped the benefits and the rewards. And as we'll see, for every good wrestler, wrestler he creates, he's then looking at who's the next one he can create. The Matsunaga brothers, of course, ran the AJW, but it was... Ogawa who took over and really pushed that booking on what was an insane I think 300 plus date schedule which is yeah which <laughs> very <laughs> relevant in the current uh, stardom discourse uh, yes as stardom does half of that um yeah. and that is obviously you know been under fire as of late um but he helped book around that and and make things work for this company and really which i couldn't even imagine trying to book one event let alone 300 <laughs> like you you look at like a lot of cards you think oh they're kind of you know doing the same thing or oh, another me another tag match with a bunch of people in different factions fighting off could you imagine booking trying to book 300 days and keeping it interesting and relevant and unique enough that people are going to keep coming to this stuff no, most companies can't book once a week and keep no. things interesting. And, you know, <laughs> they're doing 300. And this was the second boom period following the beauty pair, of course. So, like, <laughs> this is another wide range of success for this promotion with him really putting in the work to make it happen. And not just relying on the big cities either. 
Um, no. it may the crush the- gals to be exact. I want to yeah. point out there is a roster here, um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that helped them along the way. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a two person operation, but it definitely helps when they're at the forefront. Um, but like, yeah, a lot of these promotions do tend to rely on the same key bases. But like Rossi, just as he has done with stardom, he was pushing the new ground and hitting the cities and the towns that don't always get the wrestling expanding through the prefectures. Um, and like you can see when you look at like what worked in AJW and what he did to make AJW successful, you can see a lot of repeating patterns through his booking history with Arison, but especially with Stardom. And this is one of those cases. Where maybe Rossi learned his ability to make new stars came with the AJW rule of retirement. There was a retirement rule back in the day. I believe they had to retire on 25, 26, um, as as Alex and JD right here, which obviously was to one, um, lower costs in many ways, right? You kind of kick out the older wrestlers, and that way you build up new, cheaper wrestlers. But but this gave Rossi an ability that we still see to today. I always yeah. say, whether it's my podcast here or current or um, you know current day podcast, there's no one in professional wrestling that makes new stars like Rossi got. We're in a year where he has crowned Mariah's Wonder of Stardom champion. He has seen Suzu Suzuki win the five star Grand Prix. These two haven't been in his company. Uh, Mariah's about to hit her two years with the company mm. very soon, but Suzu just signed and she's winning the damn thing, right? She's 21 years old. His ability to go all in on these wrestlers has been the reason that stardom is what it is. He has never, obviously they have, there have been many ups and downs within stardom's history, mm. but the reason they are where they are now is because he was able to, you know, fight the storm that, came at him and create massive stars time and time again. We're talking about these stars as the best in the world for a reason. Yeah. And a lot of them are under the age of 25. Uh, It's kind of crazy to think. I I never knew Leonardo DiCaprio ran AJW. Yeah. Wait, what? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) He doesn't like anyone over 25. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. He hates Julia. Trade him out. Hates Tam, hates hates everyone, hates everyone over the age of twenty five. Um, <laughs> see that that's maybe what he's doing now. He's like, oh, this is what it's like to have wrestlers pass that. You know, I, I can make them champion. Yeah, it um, helps when one of them Shuri. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's like maybe the point of his brilliance as a booker is obviously he had to learn how to create new stars back then with that rule in place. But he also knows that greatness comes in, you know, different ages, different forms. And that's really what we've seen throughout Stardom's history. Yeah. It's, More than it's anything crazy else. to think though, you have the crush scouts. It's like, Oh, I don't want to pay you. Yeah, get out. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you, you look at it from a business perspective. I get the whole thing. Like once, you know, they're making X amount of money. They're going to ask for more money, trade them out for someone younger. You can build up, but like, that's like looking at the Beatles and going, Oh, we don't want to release your third album because you're asking for too much money. Like it's going to well, print it for you. Well, as Alex and JD note here, when they retired, the entire core teenage girl audience left with them. Yeah. And that they're was, still looking for that today. Yep. We, uh, 
it is a topic of conversation all the time with Joshi and it's it's not been easy replacing the crush gals it's not something you do right no. if you've ever watched a crush gals match a nagayo match or something the atmosphere is electric yeah. like it is one of the most electric atmospheres you'll hear in professional wrestling it's like at their peak it's like peak stone cold steve austin except it's just these teenage girls screaming off the top of their lungs for everything nagayo does it's sensational mm, mm. it's it's one of those things like we can talk it up we can't do it justice. If no. you're listening to this and you're not familiar with Crush Gows, listen to the end of the podcast. But while you're listening, you know, go up on YouTube, put some, you know, watch laters to some of their matches and make sure your volume's on because like, it's it's so unlike anything you've seen. And it's funny looking at this article that they've written, fantastic article, and then sort of reading, again, they're complaining with the stigma of women's dressing. It's like, oh, it's only teenage girls as the fans. doesn't matter. And like now you look at the Joshi scene and they are so desperate to get back to that because there's so much value in when you can build the next generation up by showing them what is possible. Yeah, it's all well and good having your male fan base and they'll spend money on your your photos and everything. But when you can inspire teenage girls to want to wrestle, you're securing your industry in the long future. And his first big plan was booking the one and only Medusa pushing medusa in 1989 medusa of mm. course alundra blaze you may have heard of her kind of a big deal here in the states um that was that was his first step and then in 1990 yep. he pushed someone that you may know the name of bull nakano um also pretty big deal s- still to this day um and those of course are two stars that made it big here in the u.s which i think mm. is another credit to rossi that still last today <laughs> that Io Shirai, yeah, that Kyrie, those Io Shirai's, those Kyrie's, yeah, it's still something they take from that Mariah May, who I'm sure will eventually make her way into the U.S. Tony Storm, you want me to keep going? Like, do I need to keep going? Like, it, it he has followed what he did in the prime days of Joshi wrestling and has repeated it to create new prime days of Joshi wrestling. Mm. And it's just incredible what he's been able to do. Obviously, good to, go ahead. I was just going to say, and the, the biggest thing I think to look at, he's done this under different situations. He's done it in the 70s and 80s with uh, and 90s with AJW when he had money behind him, when he had People throwing money at to make it work. And then he's done it in the 2000s with Stardom without that money backing him. Yeah, and that's something I think that's important to look at. Stardom didn't have a lot of money behind it initially. He's built it up and made it successful. And he's done that through two different forms. When he's got money, when he's got to do it all, you know, independent style. Uh, so jd and alex right here business was back in less than 15 months following the crush gals growing and being covered frequently by the larger wrestling media ogawa encouraged the matsunagas to book larger venues more regularly which in turn made more money for the promotion than ever before dream slam won in 1993 with a one million dollar gate legacy of queens 1993 estimated a nine hundred thousand dollar gate and of course the famous big egg universe in 1994 estimated 5.6 million to name a few yeah when has women's wrestling ever gone close to that (laughs) (laughs) um it's just incredible ever it's incredible 
the case he made. We said this earlier, but it's incredible the case he made even by this time. Mm. He is such an important figure in women's professional wrestling history. That gives him the candidacy. But you know what? That would be a pretty lame podcast if we just stop here. Uh (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. You can follow me on Twitter at... Oh boy. Um, so the, the third boom period was from 1991 to 1996. Uh, the interpromotional era naturally with uh, JWP's existence as a new competition. This is, of course, written by Alex and uh, JD. There was also no longer a need to cut wrestlers and help out their competitors as a result. One philosophy Agawa is at the forefront of in Joshi wrestling is breaking the seniority system. Only those and this is our point earlier, talking Tam, Shuri, right? Um, only those who can move up once your seniors have moved out. Think of it as this way, varsity sports team where only one of the seniors are allowed to start, even if a more talented generational talent is in their freshman year. He truly believes in keeping these young and fresh, improves it in his bookings. We can point to the rise of Aja Kong, Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer, defeating Bolt Nakano, Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer, just pointing things out in 1992 is a key aspect of this, and then again later again for Arceon and currently in stardom. Um, not to mention the risk of pushing Aja Kong at the time, her being a mixed race woman of African American descent was culturally unheard of in Japan. Reports suggest the Matsunagas were against the idea, but Rossi Ogawa booked the Medusa Kong feud to start her official push scene with box office success helping to draw 3,500 attendance. This was, of course, above the usual 2K Cork and Hall sellouts that non-New Japan and All Japan companies ran at this time. Great write-up, again, by these two. Go check it out. Um, Trent, ha, ha, is is Asha Kong rather relevant now? <laughs> it, it's a name I may have heard in the back catalogs of 2023. Notably another wrestler that is in the greatest of all time conversation. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, the, the ability to go with this idea of breaking the seniority system and go with young talent is something that you know, if you have listened to podcasts we've done together in different, obviously not Stardom Road, but it was Cyclone Show, uh, my show, the Five Star Joshi Show. We've talked about this with other promotions mm. and how, you know, I I could be fine, found complaining about a Mio Momono loss perhaps this year to an old lady, um, for example, maybe Miyazaki. Shout out. Uh, um, like, it's it's part of the reason that Joshi just fell, yeah. right? Like not creating new stars, and truthfully, without stardom, that trend would more or less be continuing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's scary to think, but again, we've seen it a lot. That's why Joshi just took such a hit, of course. And I believe Rossi left in. Oh, so due to all Japan's bankruptcy, Ogawa departed. The, of course, sorry, 
if you don't know by now, all Japan Women's did go bankrupt eventually. Not because um, of lack of sales and tickets, mind you. That's important to mention in this situation. Yes. Yes. It's not Rossi's fault that they no. the, the money men, the Matsunagas, uh, stopped being money men. Yeah. So alongside Azra Kong, who also left All Japan Women's due to financial issues, he set up hypervisual fighting Arsian, more commonly known as Arsian. Um, which of course was it, it, it's there was a mass, mass exodus in 1997 all Japan women's just everything changed and Arsion was kind of this fresh new idea and Rossi's full chance to kind of be the you know top guy alongside Aja Kong and as mm-hmm. we know there's a history he you know starting promotions with a wrestler that's uh, something that I would say he has some success in. <laughs> and, and like it's also important to mention he started with Aja Kong, but he didn't come to rely on Aja Kong. Yeah, it'd be very tempting when you're in that situation. Oh, I've got this one wrestler who's established a, a big name and I've built her up. Let's just make her the champion, make her do all the big things. But like there was a focused effort from him, even in Arceon, to build around and next to her. It wasn't just yeah. a case of one person above all, again, falling into this trap that even modern Joshi still struggles not to fall into. But finding the, that next crop of talent and building them up so that, A, you've got people for Aja Kong to face, but B, people to main event while Aja Kong's not in the main event. Yeah, he never relied too heavily on her. He was willing to push new stars. And I think mm. um, so there are, you know, as as they right here with the first anniversary, anniversary show uh the top three matches were Arceon trainee ayako hamada versus Arceon trainee mika akino uh former jwp mid carter that ogawa convinced to unretire candy akotsu um versus former llpw mid carter michiko omukai and the underutilized hw name Enrico yoshida uh defending the queen of arson title against former jwp mid carter hiromi yagi that show reportedly drew over 1400 um people despite kong's only involvement being an opening match squash see how easy would have been just to go oh, aja yeah main event please you're you're the name and arcion ultimately it did, the, the good times didn't last as long as I'm sure he would have liked to um, as the falling out between him and Aja Kong, which is pretty well documented. If you want to go up the, you know, <laughs> I think many people have made jokes through the years of, yeah, let's, you don't want them in the same building. Um, <laughs> right. It's why, it's why Aja Kong pretty much works every company in Joshi that isn't stardom. Yes. Um, that is a major falling out that caused legal issues for both of them. Um, and he, uh, he ultimately took a step back from Arcyon after that. And he gave the booking title to Linus Asuka. And as, um, Alex and JD wrote, Arcyon fell inside 18 months without Agawa at the helm. Yeah. Uh, and th- this was a tough time in general for Joshi. Like the, the scene had fragmented quite heavily. All of the big names that were still wrestling all kind of went into well, that's 2003, own... by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any of the big names still kind of wrestling went into their, their own separate promotions. And it just, it's such a scattershot situation that it was very difficult for any one promotion to really step forward and stand out. 
And obviously, like having someone like Rossi with Arceon, that experience running things and not just being involved in wrestling, but being involved in the right area, it was a big reason why they succeeded early on. Um, and then when he goes, obviously, that's a big reason why they struggle. But like, it was it was going to be a tough time in the scene regardless. And I think, again, something like the scenario between him and Aja Kong is something he, of course, learned from um, as he came back around and, you know, put stardom together. Um, Arceon, something that I think from everything that I know about it and that admittedly is not all that much. Hmm. Um, it is something that could have been maybe something to help really help Joshi. Uh, but the stuff between him and Aja really just buried it because I believe um, when Asuka took over, it was a slow shift away from Ogawa's use of fresher names as former AW stars began to kind of get a bigger role. And then they emerged and sold to Yumika Hoda's Z Spirits, which was rebranded to A2Z. So yeah. um, they went away from creating young stars. And again, that is part of the reason Joshi was what it was for so long. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's one of those things. It's funny. Like veteran talent is so handy, but you've got to be smart in how you use it. And the dame, the mistake so many people make is that you push the, the legends and then they're the only people that matter. So as soon as they're no longer on the card, what, what's the point? What's the value? It's the why it's, it's a lot of the reason of why, like we talk about these Joshi promotions these days that aren't named stardom and mm. TJPW to extent, they don't have big legends coming in. They, they have their core, but even then they, they do only... bring someone in. They su- it's supplemental. It's not the focus, right? Like they don't bring Aja Kong into main event. They bring Aja Kong in to just be, you know, a, a jolt. Yes. Per se, and and right? to give a, a spotlight moment for one of their younger talents. It's why those two are the top two Joshi promotions. Now, there are different things to be said about their booking practices, right? You know, one company mm. has gone with four people, arguably three, for the majority of their time, but still they have the younger talent and younger core. Mm. And They've gone with their talent. They're not going with the Ozakis and the Gaios, the Kongs, yeah. the Inoues anymore. They mm. are, right? Like, those are what, and that's, again, to Ogawa and to Rossi. Um, I understand the same person. I just wanted to call him Rossi. Um, but that is what he does so well, is yeah. that he has created a promotion that is the pretty much lifeblood of Joshi today. And it's the reason that Joshi is so so much more popular than it was ten, you know, even 10 years ago, and Starm was around then. Uh, 15 years ago was probably your best bet in terms of really looking at how dreadful, despite there being talent out there, it wasn't what it is today by any stretch. And that's what we sort of what I was saying before. In like, it's all well and good having the talent, but that doesn't alone guarantee success. And that's the thing: the 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 era at the time did have talent in it. But it was it's known as the dark period and just a downswing because they just weren't able to utilize it properly and shine a spotlight on them necessarily. You again look back to Rossi Agawa bringing the media attention to AJW. I don't care how good your show is if you're not getting media attention, if you're not getting people's eyes on the product, it's gonna fail. It doesn't yep. matter how good it is. It's why you'll see some people like 
it'll be why you see some people like give a nod to media attention still to this day. Hmm. Um, stardom obviously gets a ton. Uh, they are mostly the one that gets immediate attention, but it's why like people still focus on that because you know if you're not getting media attention, you're not getting attention. Plain yeah. simple. Especially you just, today. To, you just have to look at the impact. Um, when Dave Meltzer gave Shuri versus Atami Hashishita five point five stars on his you know podcast, his program, the amount of attention that suddenly shifted to Stardom, which was a promotion that was getting a, a relatively decent amount of attention at that time, but there was a massive upswing in interest just by one match and one person saying that's a good match. Yeah, there is. I've had I've had this conversation before, but I just. Like Stardom has multiple boom periods themselves, mm. um, which we're about to get to. And again, again, on the back of Rossi Ogawa and going with certain, going with certain people and certain at the right times and bouncing back from certain situations. But of course, if you listen to our first episode, you kind of know a little bit about this. He started this promotion alongside Nanai and um, Fuka. You know, you know, Fuka as the main trainer, Nanai Takahashi, mm-hmm. obviously a key individual in helping build this promotion. And their main core in the early going was her, uh, Natsuki Tayo, and, you know, tons of trainees that obviously would go on to become some of the best and brightest in wrestling today. Um, you know, every every company back then when he started this up was relying on the big names of the nineties. They were relying on the people we are still talking about right now that I just mm-hmm. said earlier, the in you know, the, the uh, Kongs, Ozaki, so on and so forth. And he didn't rely on that. He has, you know, we talked about it early and he put his trust into someone who was popular but not as a wrestler. Mm. That, of course, is Yuzuki Aikawa, who came in to be the original ace of this promotion. Um, And she, obviously, while not around, helps spark this company right from the start, put some attention on them. And while you have great veterans like the Tayos, like the Takahashis, you're able to build up the Mayu Iwatani's and the Ariso Shikis and the Okobitos and the Yoshikos, and the list goes on and on and on. It's it's one second. It just like plays to what his history was that we just Mm -hmm. went through, right? He was getting the young talent ready, and whoever was ready to step up early stepped up. The Yoshikos specifically, like Mm. you know, she was one of the first that really got pushed hard out of that, you know, that crop. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like when Stardom started, it was a bunch of rookies, and then Yuzuki Aikawa, who only had a couple of matches under her belt, and then two veterans. And both Taiyo and uh, Takahashi uh, obviously had certain name recognition. But like when we're talking about these big, you know, legendary veterans coming through, neither of these two fit that uh, bill. You know, they, they are solid hands who you can recognize and go, oh, you're, it's almost like, say, bringing in like a Hiroki Goto almost and using him as the backbone of getting your company founded. Great hand to have, but it's, you're not going, oh, look at this big name from the 90s that were brought in to uh, make Stardom big. Despite that, despite working with a bunch of no names and one gravure person who's decided to start wrestling, they managed to run Kurokan Hall within six months. And as uh, these two, as Alex and JD mentioned, 
that was unheard of. You know, all mm-hmm. the other promotions that kind of you would compare Stardom to at this point, they it took them a couple of years to get to that point. But it only took Stardom six months. And within two years, of course, they were running Sumo Hall as part mm-hmm. of Yuzuki Akawa's retirement. So I think that kind of gives us the first real basis to dive into, right? Rossi builds up this promotion with Aikawa and Takahashi at the forefront. Takahashi, World of Storm Champion. Aikawa as the Wonder of Storm Champion. Aikawa retires as the Wonder of Storm Champion, mind you. Um, and it's important to bring this up because, you know, Aikawa is needed, again, to bring eyes to the product, right? We talked about the unofficial first stardom event where she had her in-ring debut, the Use Upon Produce mm-hmm. show. And I, as I um, had in my interview with her last year, which is still pretty cool, uh, I, 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 I happen to forget that from time to time. Uh, but as I had in her interview, you know, she kind of talks about doing so. And when I when I asked her on continuing wrestling after the the shows, the use upon shows without stardom, she had said, I had thought I would be around at once every three months or so. Um when she debuted. So she hadn't really done like focused on pro wrestling full time until stardom came around. And it's a case of Rossi seeing a talent and going with it. That mm. is something he has done time and time again. And that's really what he did from going from use upon to the next step, which we'll get to. Yeah. And and the thing to sort of keep in mind with stardom, like you, you pick it up as you go through their history. They don't have a lot of years where it's all just smooth sailing continuously. Every couple of years, there's some kind of shake-up to their roster or come, some kind of shake-up to the company that forces Rossi to adapt. And the years he spent working with AJW and Arceon has sort of prepared him to never be caught flat-footed. The amount of times people have looked at stardom and gone, they're in crisis mode right now because of A or B or C. What are they going to do? And then like within, within the year, people are going, oh, they're bigger and better than ever. It's actually kind of ridiculous. It is. It really is. And again, like his ability to, as you know, going back to his early days of doing this and promoting and getting them, you know, booking the right things and scenarios to expand popularity Mm. and ultimately create what is now a monster almost, right? It's the second biggest promotion in Japan now. When he started this promotion, Joshi was an afterthought yeah. in Japan for many, right? Um, you know, New, New Japan hadn't sur- resurged as much yet, but it still was on the back of Tanahashi and it was popular in its own right. It's It was New Japan. Let's, let me mm. just say that. Like, it was New Japan. But to think that within a decade, he would sell it to New Japan's ownership and it would be what it was. It's just an insane thought for me. You know, just like, not to survive, but to thrive, which is another thing to make a note of in that sort of conversation. Yeah. You know, there's companies which kind of sell off because they're on their last legs. Stardom didn't need to sell to be successful. They sold because they were successful. To take another step in many ways. Yes. Um, so, like, 
I think the brilliance of Rossi's booking. Now we're going to go everywhere here because we don't need to give you the timeline. I'm like, we're not giving you a timeline. We, yeah. we, that's what the entire show is for. We will spoil the entire show and the entire <laughs> theme of the Stardom Road if we just do that. Spoiler, but, Io Shirai, the freedom, and then yeah. But like the 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 mindset, right? To go, all right, is Aikawa's retiring. I am going to find my next top star on that mm. very show. I'm going to crown Io Shirai as the world of stardom champion. Obviously, Io Shirai is a major, major star today, right? But his ability to create stars, I think, is always going to be his greatest trait. Sure, yeah. he can book some great stories in professional wrestling. Guess what? A lot of bookers can do that. No one makes stars like him. From Mikawa to Threedom to... Uh, Hayashishta, Watanabe, Hoshiki, the list goes on and on. And of course, currently, Julia is maybe the most popular star that hasn't touched WWE in professional or right, mm. like that hasn't touched an American promotion. She's the and most Tam popular. Nakano is one of the biggest wrestlers in Japan, men or women. You know, she's up there with Tanahashi and Okada and Naito on the polls. So, so Trent, let me ask you, where where do you want to hit now? Because now we've gotten to stardom. We can dive into mm. pretty much anything to help his candidacy, even though I'm pretty sure he should be getting in as, as we sit here. Like, do you want to talk about his ability to get to the Bidushi Road selling? Do you want to talk about just all the stars he's made? As I was hinting earlier, right? The every... Not every star, but almost every major star here in the U.S. today has hit stardom. Mm -hmm. And that is an eye for talent. That is an eye for talent. Like I said, Tony Storm, one of the most popular stars in the U.S. today in AEW. Jamie Hayter, before her injury, was one of the surging stars. And she she obviously didn't get the full run she wanted, but she was going to have one. Uh, you you take us you take us somewhere because I'm just I'm happy to talk about anything now at this point. I think yeah we're talking about obviously his ability to create stars. I think it's important to talk about his ability to create stars under adversity because it's all mm-hmm. well and good when everything's shining and everything's going smoothly. Oh you know we've got a main event scene that's built so I can just grab this one person start slow building them to get them into position to succeed that's all fine and dandy but when you're in a crisis situation when you've got a bunch of talent that are no longer there when you know the reputation of the company maybe is a bit shaky because of things that happen the fact that you're able to transform and transform quickly whether it's in 2015 when you had the situation with Akiyasakawa and Yoshiko whether it's in 2017-18 when you lose Io Shirai and Kari Hojo whether it's in 2020 when you lose Kagetsu Hanako Mora and Arisa Hoshiki and Tazuki, you know, like the fact that each moment here, there's just suddenly a bunch of talent that he's already got ready made to, with just a little bit of a push, get into a position to lead the company to greater heights than it was already at. I think it's a good point to kind of definitely start at. Okay, so let's go to, I'd even say 2013 with like Kyle walking out the door. Absolutely. Right? Io Shirai. Right. We kind of hinted at that. But mm. go to 2015 then. 2015, you go all in on Threedom. Yeah. Right. Io Shirai was already proven by then, but you still go all in on Threedom, you know, help with Mako Satamora coming in, as we mm. talked about in the Mako Satamora episode. And that next champion was Kari Hojo. 
Yes. So you go with Kyrie Hojo, obviously through time, the freedom pretty much just take over. They mm. create, they create magic against one another together, so on and so forth. Right. We will do episodes about Thunder Rock. We'll do episodes about freedom. We'll do episodes about all three of them and their careers. But without freedom, stardom isn't where it is today. Freedom is the, is like, if you're doing a Mount Rushmore of stardom, it's freedom. And then, all right, like, I think truthfully, like Kyrie has like the worst case of the three. Yeah. But it's in many ways hard to not have them on there. And it's almost like you want to put them all together because they all <laughs> benefit from one another in different ways. presidency. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there's one, of course, that's Io Shirai, who was the biggest star mm-hmm. that stardom created at that time. Right. She, she is. I mean, she's, yeah. WWE Women's World Champion, or when we're t- when we're recording this, or whatever, one of the two belts that they have. She is she has one of them, um, the one that gets defended, right? And then there's Kyrie, and then of course you know you and I talk about Mayu all the time, how she's one of the true greats of all time, as those three have all claims to be. But the trust to build those three up and go with them, right? Mayu there since the beginning, original trainee, Io signed by Rossi to be a big star in this company, leaving a triple tails group with her sister and Kana, AKA mm. Asuka in WWE. And then Kyrie also a trainee and the fastest riser in many ways, because she was a trainee and then she was a damn near main eventer in short order. Yeah. And she, she got a very large push very quickly and then, but it was, all, it was done in a way where it wasn't done too much too fast. Right. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And honestly, it's something we see. Rossi goes back to that bag an awful lot. Someone comes in, they're pushed heavily hard right off the bat, but they kind of stop just before the big one, just before it becomes too much too fast. What's and up, then just right? <laughs> cools them down. And then just as people are, oh, okay, then they push it forward. We've seen mm-hmm. that with Joy. We've seen that with Mariah. We've seen that with Itami Hashishista. You know, every wrestler kind of just... <laughs> They Julia arguably did slow down. She got the wonder, but after that, she did. Oh, yeah, but I mean, like the wonder came quickly, but the red belt was, they tempered that to perfection. Yeah, that was almost the the big part. Like, right, yes. we were like, ah, oh, wonders, okay, well, yeah, sure. But it's like, that's the big part. We're going to work mm. her there so that she's right for that position when she gets there. Especially um, when we're talking about a roster in 2020 when she won the white belt, which was heavily depleted. So it yes. wasn't like she was overtaking 15 established main eventers at right. that time to win the white belt. So let's, again, flashback. It creates freedom. Then then two-thirds of freedom, gone. Yep. And thankfully, during that time, you've got people like Momo Watanabe who was being prepped and being basically the moment she was needed, she was ready to go. Then you've got someone like Kagetsu, who obviously was already making a good impact at that time. But the moment she was needed, or he now with Yuishin, or you know, slammed right into that necessary position. There are comparisons through Rossi's history in this company alone. You can make Kagetsu to fast forward to 2020 with Shuri in many mm-hmm. ways, right? The veteran that is there to obviously, you know, have great matches, but via leader in the clubhouse in many ways and help the young talent get built up. Now we, now Kagetsu was a trainer back yeah. then. 
Shuri is, from our knowledge, isn't a trainer, but they, they kind of just... There's a lot of work behind the scenes. Yes. I know Hanako has mentioned how important Shuri's been to her progress. Shuri takes the young wrestlers under her wing. I think that's the best mm. way to say it, um, which is probably, in reality, the more uh, modernized version of what Kagetsu did. But in that time, right, you go with Mai, you got Kagetsu, you create Momo Watanabe as this big star by giving her this record-long dominant reign. That's not something someone just does. Like, a booker doesn't just do that. You don't give an 18-year-old the... Your, your second biggest belt that isn't a mid-card belt, but is an important belt in your history, the belt that your first ace held, right? That is a important thing to do. And not only do you give her a year-long reign, you have her break the like the defense record. You mm-hmm. go all in on her. Is it going She's to main be... eventing big shows for them. And it's going to be a sink or swim scenario. Yep. He is willing to go with that. Sure, if if someone sinks, oh well. But more often than not, they don't. And even that like that strike record is really impressive. Like the inter- the fun thing about Momo Watanabe, right? Is if we look at her back then and look at her now, obviously, like she's not in as prominent of a position. But there's no one you trust more to put in a spot when needed than mm. Momo. Momo's almost in a spot like Mayu was at one time in her career, where it's like, all right, we need you right now. So like, if Mo if Momo's needed, she's there. Right, it's like yeah. that kind of thing, um, and I think that's just such a spot to have. Again, she's twenty three years old, uh, <laughs> and she's in that spot. But even you know, twenty seven, twenty eighteen, and within a year, you're building up Arisa Shiki, who mm-hmm. had returned to the company. Um, you debut. You may have heard of her, Tommy Hayashista, in a major, massive way. The big rookie year. We have talked about that a little bit on this show. And she wins every title under the sun, essentially. That isn't the top two belts. Um, she goes to the finals with a five-star Grand Prix. And then, you know, you, you're just building all these, excuse me, building all these stars. You have Hana Kimura, mm-hmm. who eventually breaks off into her own thing and is one of the most popular stars in your company. And that's part of spreading stardom around the world, right? You're start you're starting to send wrestlers to the US. Hanukkah is one of them. Oedo Tai, of course, are heading to Ring of Honor and things like that. You're starting to break out a little bit more. You're 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 seeing them get to that next range, right? It's the it's not worldwide expansion because that is not something they even do now, but yeah. it's it's broadening your horizons, right? We we talked about it when we were when um they were talking about the crush gals and you know expanding overseas going to the countryside right it's not it's not a case of okay we're going to make this our main goal it's a case of see what we have to offer mm. and maybe that creates new eyes on the western audience and so forth you just have to look at a, a group like melt here and it's like there, yeah. there's the there's the formula to a t with crush gals and obviously like tam and that's the point uh, at the level of the crush gals. No one is, same to be content. fair. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's they the had like content. 20% of the population watch them. <laughs> Which is Yeah, and insane. maybe they don't draw in you know, 100 million teenage girls. But 
yeah, it's it's finding what works for your individual talent. You know, someone like Julia, yes, there's a certain penchant to succeed overseas, so you'll give her a few more overseas shots. Someone like Tam and Natsupoy can appeal through music and that kind of idol aesthetic, so you push them in that direction. And, yeah, even as they're eyeing off Southeast Asia as we speak, again, that's just looking at, like, how can we expand, how can we grow smartly instead of just doing the expected thing. The and and even during that time, by the way, with the freedom, you have Tony Storm too. I don't mm-hmm. want to count Tony Storm. I mean, she wasn't always around, and she we we went into detail how she probably wasn't supposed to win the title, but yeah, outsiders that are coming in and taking on bigger roles as well, which I think is you know a very important part for stardom back then. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, though. And we're going to talk about 2019 and selling the Bushi Road because obviously that's a very big part. And how you hinted at it earlier with um, thriving, right? Thriving with the ability to become bigger. You've reached, you've in many ways, stardom reached a point and they needed to get to that next point. Uh, yeah. WWE, if you remember, wanted them. Um, to make NXT Japan, Rossi said, nah, I'm good, bruh. And of course, Vince was like, I'll give you a Hall of Fame. Yeah, and said he's, which, ha, 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 that might help. The, Vince said, I'll give you a Hall of Fame. Well, <laughs> time for him to make the Observer Hall of Fame. Thank you. Um, but got to sell to Dave. In all seriousness, I don't think there's anything more like, yes, you got through 2015, right? And 2015 is just such a huge blemish on Stardom's history, but something they bounce back from. Mm. I still think what they were able to do in 2020 with all the scenarios at hand, it is a credit to who Rossi Ogawa is as a booker more than anything else. Like you said earlier, Hazuki retires. Kagetsu retires. So not only do you lose someone who's a great up-and-comer who's in that white belt tier that can be, you know, someone you lean on as a competitor, but you lose one of your key veterans in Kagetsu, just a crucial, crucial blow Mm. that you don't bounce back from necessarily right off the bat. And then your wonder stardom champion, someone who is who was literally planted in a wrestle kingdom match at the beginning of the year you know your first wrestle kingdom as part of bushi road obviously the match didn't air but they pretty much said hey here are the four wrestlers we're building our future around it was mayu yutani and arisa shiki versus julia and hatakamura and by the end of may Two of them were no longer with the company. Arisa Hoshiki retiring due to neck injury, due to injury, dropping the Wonder of Storm Championship, and then, of course, the, the unfortunate passing of Hana Kimura. And there's a pandemic to, you know, fight through all of that as well. That is something that a company may not go through in their entire time, let alone a five six months span yeah it's 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 so important to mention like if even if you were sort of subtly paying attention at the time when stardom came back in june they had precisely one established main eventer in maya watani 
And the only other person who had any kind of regularity in that main event thing was Momo Watanabe, who you know obviously had a very big white belt reign, but had kind of been downshifted a little bit. Coming in June 2020, they had one established main eventer. And then by the end of the year, they're already showing signs of incredible growth and recovery. It's 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 almost unlike if I wasn't there watching it live, I don't think I would have believed what happened from yeah, the losses they took during the pandemic that, that they sustained coming back in and the immediacy of their comeback and success. You have to give a lot of credit to Bushiroad this time. If, if Bushiroad weren't bankrolling it, it would be a very different situation. That has to be sure. addressed. But you can have all the money in the world. WCW, it doesn't mean that you will succeed. No, it doesn't. And it took time, right? Stardom mm. wasn't instantly popular when they came back. You know, when COVID just, COVID didn't really go away, but you get my point. Like when they were able to run again, um, right, there's no cheering crowds, there's just clapping. It is heavily restricted amounts of crowds. You're now trying to get wrestlers over mm-hmm. with clapping crowds. And like you said, you didn't have many main adventures. You had Mayu, and thank God at the time Mayu was world of stardom champion. I'll say that time and time again. Without Mayu as world of stardom champion, who knows? I you know, I, I'll tell you what. Who knows? She probably would have got the belt had she not. <laughs> but thankfully, she was because her being champion helped weather the storm. Then you mm-hmm. lose Lukiona, which ultimately, yeah. you know, she never came back, right? Mm-hmm. That's another crucial blow in terms of popular wrestlers and steady hands. Yeah, like steady hands. Like, I, I know I make jokes about uh, on our shows, but that is someone that is unbelievably popular, no mm-hmm. matter whether you know western audiences there like she hello everyone i'm here yeah yeah she was very she was a very popular wrestler and that's just another loss to add and at the time it wasn't a loss she just got hurt Mm. um but still and 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 then by the end of the year they had established julia she became wonder of storm champion they had by default started to build up one tam nakano someone who maybe would have never been in that spot if it weren't for certain situations right tam had the great match and story with the shiki but other than that there was you know no road necessarily to her become well, definitely becoming the double the second double champion in star <laughs> mystery uh, that, that, that was still an outlier more than an established pattern that arena yeah yeah, so he, and and then of course the Tommy Hayashista wins the five star Grand Prix. That's your first true mm-hmm. big new star. Obviously, we talked about how in that 2017, 2018, 2019 realm is where she debuted and got a big push, but it was never to the main event level. No, no, they held now, her just in the right spot. You put her in the main event level, you give her the five star Grand Prix, she beats Mayu Itani for the title, and in many ways, the rest is history from there. Mm. But it doesn't stop there. You bring in Shuri. Shuri becomes a core piece that went from a core piece to a main eventer to arguably the flag bearer of stardom when it boomed in mm. popularity. Going with Shuri isn't something you just do, right? Because Shuri wasn't like this box office attraction when you brought her in like yeah she had a long career she had some great matches she had some great rivalries like you know 
fantastic professional wrestler. And she's coming back from USC. So that's obviously a nice little nod, but that's mm. not going to necessarily bring in thousands of people either. It's not like she was like Ronda Rousey. You know, she was just a, she was a UFC fighter, which again, a credit to her because that is not yeah. something that anyone just does. But it gives her a legitimacy right off the bat. You, you know, she's rolled in with Julia as DDM. And by the end of 2021, she's your top star as World of Star Champion. And I think that between Utami, Julia, Tam, and Shuri, that's about as great as you can bounce back. Within the space of a year. Um, and it's important to mention... Calendar and, year, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we talk about, you know, thankfully Maya was there to weather the storm. They didn't overuse her during this period either because it would have been incredibly easy coming, you know, with the pandemic, she comes through as champion to have just said, she's holding the belt for a year. We're just keeping it on her for a year through this pandemic and she's just going to hold it. She's going to be our top star. We're going to lean on her like anything. She drops it in November of 2020, which again is less than six months since they came back from the pandemic. And after she drops it to Utami, she's not like constantly biting at the main event scene. She's, she's around, she's doing what she needs to, but once again, Rossi doesn't rely on veteran talent to be the only thing that keeps that promotion going. How easy it would have been to just lean on Mayu endlessly there, but the moment he can push the next generation and set up that future talent, he's doing so. And, it, yeah, within that year, Stardom is so much better off for it. Owen is better at making talent in the world of professional wrestling today than Rossi Ogawa. I will say it again and again. By the end of 2021, right? That was all 2020, essentially, except for Shuri. Shuri mostly came in 2021, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but she's still, the signing of Shuri was a major turning point for them as well. Mm. Um, so by the end of 2021, you had built up Shuri, Sayakamatani, Tommy Hayashishta, um, Tam by winning the title at your biggest event, one of your biggest events ever. Right, she main evented that show. That's goes and won the match against Julia, who again, someone you were building up. And then you have all these pieces now starting to come up. Right, you have the Micas, the Hamakas. Um, I wish I had the roster in front of me so I could go through them Mina all. Shirakawa. Mina Shirakawa's like you're bringing all these new people in, and. I mean, look at them now. And then you also have the young crop of Azumi and Starlight Kid getting ready to come through. And by the end of 2020, Hazuki's back, which mm. obviously was not expected by anyone. <laughs> um, and to kick off 2022, you're signing Mirai and Tekla and my Sakurai, right? And Mirai ends up being that key free agent taking mm -hmm. from TJPW. Um and, t and mind you, Mariah did not come in with like a proven track record. She was mm -hmm. not that big of a deal in TJPW. He it made her, her, but yeah, she came in and Rossi instantly painted the main event kind of paint on her. He, her first month, she had a World of Stardom title match. Her first half year, she had a Cinderella tournament win and a Wonder of Stardom title match as well. She, by the end of her first year, she had countless big matches, countless main events, 
but she didn't ever get the big one. And of course, now we're in the midst of her big year where she is Wonder of Stardom champion, improving a lot of people wrong that doubted her and the hat man Rossi himself for pushing her. And in many ways, the, the problem is he's too good at making talent because we're sitting here in 2023 and it's like there's four to ten people who's like they could be in a main event position and there's simply not room. He is just incredible at it, truthfully. Like yeah. the, the creating talent alone for me is like where he writes his Hall of Fame speech, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Like in stardom, just in stardom, he's made the biggest names in Joshi of the past decade. Yeah. The majority of them are stardom wrestlers or stardom born, and I just like that is it's incredible and you know someone may listen to this podcast it's like oh my god this person's you listen 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 i'm just speaking truth here like i firmly believe in what he has done to help make joshi what it is today there is a reason this company overall is in a boom obviously 2023 you can say whatever you want but 2023 has the biggest stardom show of all time so you know what i'm saying he did something pretty good and it's still making more money than any previous year for stardom Maybe the biggest way to tell you what he created in stardom is this is the company that her Mercedes Monet wrestled in. And I don't stress this enough. Mercedes Monet is one of the biggest stars in professional wrestling today. Undoubtedly. If you look at her ratings back in the day when she was in WWE, guess who she outdrew? Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns in ratings. Just saying. And she stepped her foot into stardom. She had a match in stardom with Mayu Iwatani. Someone, again, that Rossi... You know, Rossi could have put anyone against her. But in the end, he put the he put his longtime person. And in, in that scenario, it's right. He could have made another star if he really wanted to. Yeah. But in certain scenarios, it works out well. And, and I just think, like... Again, we, it doesn't just stop at the talent development and the ability to create talent when your back is against the wall. But that is his greatest trait in my yeah. book. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where you look at his work in stardom and like the, the work he's done in stardom alone makes a fantastic case for the Hall of Fame. But then you realize this is like version three of what he's done. And you look through what he did with RCON and especially with AJW and the years he's put in developing all this stuff. And just, again, the, the hit rate. He's not he's not come across one successful person and, you know, ridden the coattails of that person. Continually, almost like every second year, there's someone new that he's been able to lift up and create to be like the next best, the next big thing for him. 2023, since I kind of just named like all the big stars he made, Let's just say it. Mirai, Suzuki just won the five-star Grand Prix. Suzuki, 2020. Tw- Suzuki for me, and obviously we don't know what her story is yet. We yeah. don't know what her story is going to be written. She screams to me an EO situation, though. Mm-hmm. Bring her in, make her a big star instantly at a young age. Yeah. Um, and I just think where stardom is now, the number two promotion in japan it's not close they have the biggest attendance of cork and hall this year Mm -hmm. the biggest in a in a 
in a world where Katsuhiko Nakajima and Kento Miyahara main evented Cork and Hall, which for the Puro fans that is a very big deal. Um, that is a like that is a historic big deal. Yes. Biggest Cork and Hall date. Uh, the only date that beats them at the Yokohama Budokan is the Crush Gals, which again, as this episode has kind of highlighted, is a big deal, right? It's um, like poetry; it rhymes. Road ran the Yokohama Arena, broke his own attendance record or his own Stardom's own attendance record uh, this year with a just one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Trent was there in the building. He can he yes. can he can quadruple confirm it in many ways because he was there. It was it was a very incredible experience, and uh, yeah, finding my seat and just being in this sea of people who were just excited for wrestling. It was uh, unbelievable, and you know, it, it's a it's a cre- credence to him that he was able to not only build such a hype around it, but then piece everything together to put on one of yeah, you know, arguably one of the greatest stardom shows ever. It's just a, in terms of the strength of show, not just oh, there's a lot of people here. It's a credit to what he's done. He's made stars. He's made a promotion that is in a highly respected form that Mm -hmm. is considered one of the best promotions in the world now, right? There are conversations, especially in 2021, 2022, that they could have won the promotion of the year in the Observer Awards, right? Rossi had high votes for Booker of the Year. Meltzer even made the case for him saying it makes a lot of sense of what he has helped create. He's running the best tournaments in professional wrestling, by the way. If you want to just add a little tip to the cap, right, with the five-star Grand Prix. Let's not talk about the other tournaments. Let's just talk about the five-star Grand Prix. I mean the best tournament, I should say. Like, the best tournament in wrestling for the past three years has been the five-star Grand Prix. And I don't think it's close. Thank you, G1, for enlarging yourself and becoming bad. Um, So it's not even a debate. I appreciate that. Um, but as we kind of get close to wrapping up here, um, I think the best way to kind of put a bow on this is just give our overall thoughts of why we believe he should or shouldn't, even though that would be a waste of an hour and 12 minutes that he, uh, <laughs> After the, all this, we're like, nah, in the wrestling observer hall of fame, which I would argue is like, you know, it's the most historic, it's the most important Hall of Fame in pro wrestling these days because it's the only one that really brings together wrestling's history and, you know, the worldwide aspect, really. You know, um, mind you, Kazuchika Okada, current wrestler in the Hall of Fame. Just want to point out random things. But it, 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 it's a hard Hall of Fame to get into. Hmm. Like, it's not something that's easy. You know, like and Hall of Fame should be difficult to get into. Exactly. It, it's it's very it reminds me a lot of like for baseball fans out there, the baseball Hall of Fame's stupid. Um I will I could have my debates about that, but like it's hard to get into. Like you need a high voting percentage or you don't get in. Some of the greats don't get in. It's 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 a premier class and it's the pretty much the only Hall of Fame that has any um prestige to it no offense to wwe hall of fame they pick whoever the hell they want like that's cheating you know like WWE i can't hall of fame a donald trump spoiler dave Meltzer doesn't pick who makes the hall of fame yeah. uh, i think that's something that a lot of people don't know 
Uh, Dave Meltzer doesn't just say, yeah, this person. It's not a one-person decision. There's many voters. Many voters, I think, need to know about everyone. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of voters that do not know about everyone. You only get a handful of votes. You can't vote for everyone. And I just want to close this out by giving our reason of why Rossi Ogawa should make the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame 2023 class. I'm going to 2024, stop. 2023. When do they? I don't know when they announce this. I'm not going to lie to you. The um, next Hall of Fame announcement. Yeah, whatever the next one is. Because if you don't get in, this will still be relevant for next year. Exactly. <laughs> but we actually don't want him to get in, so this remains like relevant and it well, does well in the more ratings. Bad. Maybe 2024 is the best year Stardom's ever had. I mean, like they're in the position to keep growing, and like for all we know, he's going to sell start like not sell stardom. He's already sold stardom, but he's going to quit stardom and go create another company, maybe in Southeast Asia, and do an Emmy Sakura. Um, the easiest case I can make for him with the Hall of Fame is when we we're initially planning this conversation. I said at the start. I thought, yeah, he's got a pretty good case for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then I realized I'm only looking at half of his career. And then I look at the <laughs> second half of his career, which is arguably more of a stamp of approval than the second half. Mm-hmm. There's a legitimate argument for which half of his career is more valuable to him making the Hall of Fame. And I was only looking at half of it. And I thought, yeah, he, he probably should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, now there's, to me, there's no debate. He absolutely should be in there. But maybe wait a year or two so we can up the ratings on Stardom Road. Yeah, yeah, or just do it. Um, so I just before I kind of give my whole thought on it, I do want to say like the candidates um, this year, mm-hmm. which are many. Um, so I, I'll I, instead of just going through every single wrestler in existence, um, because there's a lot that are up for the Hall of Fame this year, I will go with his section. Um, so he is in the non-wrestler section. There's not a booker section, for example. It's non-wrestler. I saw him wrestle like the other night. He was physically <laughs> active. So you have Dave Brown, Bobby Bruns, Bob Cottle, Bobby Davis, Joe Higuchi, Jim Johnston. Well, that's a lock. Uh, <laughs> Larry, Larry Matzik, Rossi Ogawa, Reggie Parks, Morris Seidel, Tony Schiavone, George Scott, Sanchiro Takagi, Mike Tanay, Ted Turner, that seems unfair. Um, Roy Welch, Stanley Weston, and Grand Wizard. So those are his sections. Um, and I think that's just important to put out there. Um, last year, the Hall of Famers were as follows. You had Johnny Doyle, promoter. Um, Lou Darrow, promoter. Um, they were they were presumptuous inductees. Um, uh, Mark Rollerball, Rocco. Los Volanos, the wrestling stable of Mexico. Um, and you may have heard these three. Tetsuya Naito, Kota Ibushi, and Mystico. So those are your Hall of Famers from last year. Um, I believe 2022 was only Holy Demon Army. Oh, no, and Holy Demon Army. My bad. That was all 2022. I missed them. My apologies. This isn't a perfect podcast. It's your Clearly, fault. I'm on You're on. welcome. Yeah, well, um, so my point here is with Rossi Ogawa. In many ways, he is in the midst of building a second Hall of Fame candidacy with stardom. Mm-hmm. 
If you only base his candidacy off of stardom, you are not getting the full picture as is. Mm. What he was able to help do with All Japan and then run his own promotion with Arceon and then come back around a pretty much a decade later and create with stardom is truly gigantic. As both Alex Richards and Bullying JD of Relief Retrocast writes, you can't tell the history of women's wrestling without Rossi Ogawa. And in a time where rest, women's wrestling is such an important conversation in our world, I think there is no better inductee to get into the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame than Rossi Ogawa. And yes, you can make the argument that his story is unfinished, but his story does not need to be finished for him to get in right now. That is I mean, the two Unito's story isn't finished, and he's in the Hall of Fame because Okada's story is thirty-five years old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh, that's the only argument I can see is if you're you haven't finished your career, but this Hall of Fame establishes that that's not a that's not criteria. Kenny Omega also Hall of Famer. Um, twenty twenty, it says he was a Hall of Famer. So. Hey, I'm just reading this. Gato is a Hall of Famer, by the way, if anyone's wondering. Pretty good booker for New Japan during its prime. And Stardom's still building, right? Yeah. I don't know what the line needs to be for people to say, oh, he can get in now because Stardom reached this level. To me, number two in Japan is pretty good. Um, I don't think he needs to start running the Tokyo Dome to get into the Hall of Fame. But hey, he's already run the Tokyo Dome before. Okay, I don't think Stardom needs to run the Tokyo <laughs> Dome to get into the Hall of Fame. My point is this, and I'll just end it with this. Rossi Ogawa is a key figure in the history of women's wrestling. If you're looking for non-wrestlers, he is one of the biggest. He has helped be major parts of AJW, which again, biggest Joshi promotion ever. He is now creating the second biggest Joshi promotion ever in stardom. And he's leading it to new heights, heights that I don't know if anyone ever expected. He has made countless stars, whether it's old or new. He's helped or had a hand, I should say, in creating some of women's wrestling's biggest stars. Um, and I think he's just going to keep doing that until he hangs it up. That's the beauty of Rossi Ogawa. So we wrap this up by saying Rossi Ogawa should be making the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. The only reason he shouldn't is so that we can get more mileage on the idea of him making the Hall of Fame because we like listens. But in all seriousness, I think we've done everything we can to give our thoughts our reasonings and we want to give a big thank you to both alex richards and bowling jd for their fantastic article over on voicesofwrestling.com helping us guide the early days of his career because without that i think again it's you can't tell the story of rossi ogawa so thank you to both of them um for writing such a detailed piece trent we're done let the people know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me writing pieces not as good as the one that we're talking about from uh, <laughs> JD and uh, Matt uh, 
Alex, sorry. Um, over on Twitter slash X at One Up Culture, um, I do, I do do articles. Uh, I haven't written for a little bit, but I do intend to change that at some point. Um, and you can hear me on other podcasts alongside Scott and alongside other people, which you can also just find directed on One Up Culture. Just easy to say that, isn't it? Very much so. I would argue it's a lot easier. It makes your life a lot easier just to put that all together. You can find me at Scott E wrestling over on X Twitter, whichever you prefer. Um, in terms of what I have content wise interview with Hayan, who just wrestled Julia at the new Japan fighting spirit on Lee show in Las Vegas. Uh, really good talking with her. She's fantastic. I think she's someone who should be getting a look from many more companies in the very, very, very immediate future. So you could check that out. Um, if you want, if you're interested in current Joshi Prague, you can always listen to either the Ocean Cyclone show with me, Trent, and Ryan, or the Five Star Joshi show that I run sometimes with Trent. Um, which is over on the Fight Game Media Network Patreon this week. So this week's episode will be a Joshi draft, which is always fun and exciting. Who doesn't love that? Have a lot of fun with that. Kind of, you know, just toss things back and forth. Falcon Mayutani, it's it's ruined, but you know, it's fine. Um, and I think that's it. I, I plan to write again someday, maybe. I don't know. It it, it comes and goes, it doesn't really show up though lately it's just kind of like hey you know we do what we got to do at this stage we're podcasters we're not writers yeah yeah exactly um it's easier for me to talk than to write lately uh which is a good thing and a bad thing uh writing i think more talking i just say things (laughs) and with that this was the starter road podcast we'll be back in two weeks for trent i'm scott see ya This has been a Countout Podcast. Ring Post Radio is the only show hosted by Ryan Knight and Scotty Edwards that talks about the entire world of professional wrestling. With new episodes coming out every Sunday, there is absolutely no reason to not listen to real, honest wrestling opinions from two crazy maniacs. Have a hot boy summer and listen along to Ring Post Radio every Sunday on the Countout Network.